This is AFF On Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast, bringing you the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. G'day and welcome to episode 34 of AFF On Air. It's Saturday the 18th of April 2020 and I'm your host Matt Graham. Over the last few weeks, many of us have been watching the news about Virgin Australia very nervously. About two weeks ago, Velocity already suspended the ability to transfer Velocity points to the Singapore Airlines Chrysler program uh, to try and stem what appears to be a run on Velocity points. And that might have helped somewhat, but it doesn't seem to have uh, fixed the problem completely. So what's going to happen to Virgin and will the government rescue it? And what will happen to all of our Velocity points? Well, in this episode, I chat to Phil Gunter about the future of Velocity Frequent Flyer. Phil is an expert in loyalty programs, and he was in charge of the Velocity Frequent Flyer program from 2006 to 2013. So I'll be really interested to hear on his uh, insights on this. But before we get to that, here's what else is uh, making news in the world of airlines and frequent flyer points this fortnight. Firstly, the federal government will underwrite a limited network of Qantas and Virgin Australia domestic flights for at least the next eight weeks. The subsidised domestic flights will enable the movement of essential workers and freight around the country. And subject to state border restrictions, they will also ensure that it's possible for those returning from overseas and who have to isolate in a hotel outside of their home state for 14 days can finally get home after that's finished. Qantas and Jetstar will increase their combined schedule to 164 flights per week for the next little while. And meanwhile, Virgin Australia will operate 64 return flights each week under the program. Qantas, Jetstar and Virgin will make seats available to the public on these flights. And if the flights make a loss, the federal government will cover the difference. So they're essentially breaking even on these flights. And the package is expected to cost the federal government around $165 million. Other than a few mining charters in Western Australia, Virgin had been down to just one Sydney to Melbourne flight per day before this announcement, except on Saturdays. Meanwhile, Qantas last Saturday had just one flight scheduled for the entire day between Sydney and Melbourne. That flight was on a Dash 8 with a stopover in Canberra. The Sydney to Melbourne route is normally the world's second busiest, with flights every 15 minutes during peak times. Unfortunately, this package alone won't be nearly enough to save Virgin Australia as it continues to lobby the government for a $1.4 billion loan. Virgin Australia suspended share trading on the Australian stock market last Tuesday as it looks at ways to restructure its $5 billion of debt and assesses its options for long-term survival. The government has not yet agreed to bail out Virgin, saying it hopes there will be a market-based solution. Yesterday, the Australian Financial Review reported that two different consortiums could be interested in taking over the airline, but we'll see if anything comes of that. For now, we just don't know. Meanwhile, the future for South African Airways does not look good at all, after the South African government decided to stop funding the ailing airline. South African Airways has been technically bankrupt since 2018, but the government until now has kept funding it. Last week, Raven Alaska, a regional airline based in Alaska, has filed for bankruptcy and the Lufthansa Group has now discontinued the German Wings brand. More airlines have announced 12-month status extensions for their elite frequent flyer members due to COVID-19. Delta, United, Alaska Airlines, Latam Airlines, Air Canada, Cathay Pacific, Singapore Airlines, El Al, Air France and KLM are among the new airlines in the last couple of weeks to announce 12-month status extensions. Meanwhile, Korean Air will extend the status of its SkyPass members by six months. 
Singapore Airlines' Chris Flyer, Avianca Life Miles and the Flying Blue program have also announced that they will extend the validity of miles that were due to imminently expire over the next few months. Chris Fly will extend the validity of miles by six months and no Life Miles or Flying Blue miles will expire before the end of this year. Jetstar has announced that it will extend the validity of travel credits being offered to people that wish to cancel their trips to 12 months up from six months. If you have a Jetstar travel credit, you can now redeem this any time in the next 12 months, and you can travel with Jetstar up to 10 months from the time that you redeem the voucher. Qantas vouchers are valid for travel until the end of 2021, while the Virgin Australia Travel Bank credits are valid for 12 months. Qantas will no longer through-check luggage from domestic flights within Australia onto, onto connecting international flights out of Sydney even if the connecting international flights are on the same ticket. Customers arriving from a domestic uh, Qantas flight into Sydney are now required to collect their luggage and take it with them to the international terminal to recheck in with the operating airline. So if you are travelling through Sydney in the coming weeks and months, do allow plenty of time for um, for the connection. Um, No doubt this is just a temporary measure due to COVID-19 and things will be back to normal once um, Qantas international flights resume. Meanwhile, Emirates has introduced a new service at Dubai International Airport offering COVID-19 tests at check-in for passengers that are flying to destinations that require a medical clearance certificate. The first trial took place last Wednesday, with passengers being tested before boarding a flight from Dubai to Tunis. Test results were available within 10 minutes. Singapore's Changi International Airport will close Terminal 2 completely for 18 months, starting from the 1st of May. The terminal is, of course, hardly needed at the moment with so few flights, and so the airport is taking the opportunity to complete upgrade works while demand is low. The 18-month closure does, though, signal that the airport expects it to take quite some time before normal levels of air travel resume. In other news, there are some changes coming to the Velocity Global Wallet Travel Money Card from the 4th of May. The earn rate on uh, transactions that are done in Australian dollars will drop from one Velocity point per $3 to one point per $4 spent. But there are also some reductions in fees coming, including the removal of ATM withdrawal fees and the percentage-based fee charged when you spend money in a currency that's not preloaded onto your card is also being removed. And Flight Centre has come under fire for charging $300 per passenger in fees when the airline has cancelled the customer's bookings. This is on top of any uh, cancellation fees being charged by the airline or the supplier. Flight Centre customers are being uh, slugged this fee even if the airline itself is providing a full refund. We asked the ACCC if this was legal, and the ACCC told us that they are aware of concerns raised by many consumers about the imposition of cancellation or administration fees by Flight Centre, and that the ACCC has been engaging closely with Flight Centre and written to them regarding our concerns. That's what's making news this fortnight. For regular news updates and deals, do subscribe if you haven't already to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette or follow us on Facebook. Well, many of us have been watching the news with Virgin Australia over the last week or so quite nervously. On Tuesday, they announced a suspension of trading on the stock market, and that still is ongoing as Virgin lobbies the government and looks towards possibly considering voluntary administration. And at this time, a lot of us are quite nervous, of course, about our velocity points. 
So joining me on the podcast this fortnight to discuss um, Velocity Frequent Flyer is is the man who actually set up Velocity Frequent Flyer between 2006 through to 2013. That's Phil Gunter from New World Loyalty. Welcome to the podcast, Phil. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Thanks for being here. And so you were one of the people that set up Velocity right from the beginning, I guess. For those of our listeners who might not be familiar with uh, with your work, what was your role in in doing that? So I, so I led Velocity. I didn't I didn't join right at the beginning. I joined uh, this a few months in uh, when when it was basically a, a fly. 19 get one free program um i ran it for the first seven years when we put in tiering we put in um reward seats we put in long haul pr- pr- proposition and we grew partners from four as it was at the beginning to it was 400 when i left so if, the velocity today is pretty much um other than the flybys and a few other partners pretty much the same as when i left it Okay. Just just before we talk about what's going on with Velocity today, I'm curious, um, what were what were some of the things that you had in mind when you were setting up the program? And also, um, this was only a few years after the collapse of ANSET Global Rewards. Was that on your mind at all um, when when you were setting up Velocity? Oh, very much so. Um, and it wasn't just on necessarily on the on my mind. It was it was actually very much in the mind of, of partners at the time um, because ANSET went. Um, belly up in 2001, which was only a few years before. Uh, so a lot of the partners wanted some added protections. Um, and so Velocity was, was, was um, originally set up as a trust so that, that um, the members were essentially the owners of the program, or, 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 or it wasn't quite that way, but it was set up as a trust to protect the, the um, members, uh, which indirectly protected the partners. Um, and it, it, was, it was done so, so that, that, that people could feel confident in the points in the program. Okay. And uh, obviously, so your main competitor was Qantas Frequent Flyer at the time. Uh, were you, did you set this program up basically to try and mirror Qantas or were you trying to, to be better than Qantas or like how did that sort of competitive uh, um, relationship with Qantas affect how the program was set up? I'm just curious. Honest truth. Honest truth. Uh, I, I wasn't too concerned about Qantas at all. Uh, we, we took a run around path. So we looked at what um, we actually went back to first principles and, and looked at what was annoying people um, in the industry about frequent flyers and tried to solve it. Um, and I'll give you a simple example, the, the pooling. Um, that, that was because people were saying it's not fair. When I, I travel, I get all these points paid for by the company. But when I take my whole family to Fiji, we get, we get almost nothing. Um, it, was, it was literally designed about, uh, to enable a, cust- uh, a, a member to get rewarded for their, their total spend, whether it's on them or their children. Um, fly ahead. Um, there's, there, you know, that was people saying, is, if, if I turn up early and, and there's a seat available, just let me have it. Like, don't charge me 300 bucks when it costs you no more. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and so we, we we didn't care that Qantas weren't doing that stuff. We actually just looked at what the customers are seeing and feeling and and what was driving their 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 uh, sort of emotional attachment and tried to solve it. And there's a lot of stuff that Velocity did in that time, which is which is now. Um, uh, like basically commonplace across the world. Yeah, really interesting. So, yeah, so if we fast forward now to 2020, I mean, in about two weeks ago, we saw that um, Velocity suspended the transfer of points between Velocity and the Singapore Airlines Chris Fly program. Gift yep. card redemptions are now limited to one a day. Um, yep. On the Velocity Rewards store, we're now seeing that uh, there's significant delays with delivery. Um, the website actually just just uh, yesterday I was on the website. It was running very slowly. It seems to have a quite a high demand. And also like yep. some some Australian frequent flyer members have complained that their orders from one to two weeks ago are still pending. So there seems to be a bit of a run on points. 
Um, mm-hmm. Velocity may, or Virgin Australia, sorry, I should say, may go into voluntary administration soon, depending on whether it gets support from the government and how their negotiations work out. So I guess the question on everyone's mind now is, are my Velocity points safe? Um, what's your take on that, Phil? First of all, the, the run on points is, is the same as the toilet roll in the, in the, in the supermarkets. It's, it's when there's a great demand for something, an irrational short-term demand for something, it creates pressure on the system. So, of course, of course, there's, there's um, things selling out and, of course, there's delays in delivery because there's just a massive demand on, the, on a system which isn't designed for it. So I, 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 I have sympathy for Virgin to trying to manage through that demand. Um, ironically, I do fear that... Um, but by having such a run on points, if there is a run on points, um, it actually puts greater pressure on the airline. And, and the irony is the people that with the most points, right, if we sat them down and said, what do you want? They would say, first and foremost, they, they want and need Virgin to survive. And um, it, by having by pulling your points out, you're actually slightly in, increasing the odds that they think. Um, so it's just an, it's not a sensible thing to do. Um, and, and also, you're locking in a, a big reduced value um, in your points because when, by u- using points on, on products and vouchers, you're gaining like half a cent value. Yeah, Whereas I everyone never, knows, if, I would if never that, recommend it under normal circumstances, redeeming for that kind of thing. No, that's right. And, and now, um, obviously, right, one one uh, outcome that is possible. An outcome which is possible is that Virgin no longer exists and the points um, are lost. Right, so that there is uh, a, a possibility of that. So um, my advice to people is don't burn your points. But I, but I do expect we um, understand that there is that that possibility and the probability of that is is unknown at this stage. Right, but what I did at the beginning, or what I've done all the way through, is is I looked at um, what would happen. What would happen? From going forward, and there's still a good chance that the airline will survive, and Velocity will be the airline's frequent flyer program. And if that happens, one thing which is certain is that the number, the availability of reward seats when when the the flying starts is going to be fantastic, not just on Virgin but all the partners as well, and the ability to get really high value, uh, long haul front of cabin uh, no business first class rewards is going to be brilliant and those are the points that are worth like five six seven cents a point maybe even more in, in the first class cabins mm-hmm. and so there's going to be this window of opportunity for people to get those what those go the, you know, the, the, uh, the unicorns they don't exist normally but they're going to be there right and anyone sat on a mountain of points uh if if assuming the airline survives they're, they're, they're i would be looking to uh leverage that opportunity and get that first class flight all the way around the world um, using your points in a, in a one-off opportunity and i guarantee if the airline survives that is gonna that that opportunity will be there and what we don't know is a probability um but even if it doesn't even if there is some sort of uh event and and virgin doesn't survive in its current form um the frequent flyer uh is a very very valuable asset it's set up as a separate business um, it, like I say, it was originally set up as a trust, right? But even if they watered that down, it's still set up as a as a separate business. It it would still have phenomenally more value as a business uh, with points attached. And if I was involved in in 
uh, no, making good of the of the making the best use of the assets. You would want to sell velocity as a going concern with the points attached, even if the value of those points is some is reduced to some degree. Um, in which case, that is the most likely outcome of of Virgin not existing is that the velocity will still be um, existing. Um, it may change brand and it may be it will certainly change owners, but um, there there will still be rewards that come out of that because um, the, the, the uh, organization that picks it up would want to keep maintain the engagement and it's a phenomenally valuable um, business. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, it's obviously it's a bit hard to predict what will happen, but that is, a, that is certainly a possible outcome. But if, um, if Velocity Frequent Flyer was maybe sold or rebranded and um, it went on as a going business without um, Virgin Australia being around, would Velocity Points still be worth uh, what they're worth today? Um, it would depend on who buys it. And, and what their strategy is. So, because um, if um, the most likely buyer would be another airline who, who, who would, who would um, want to use it as a frequent flyer, in which case, absolutely. Um, if it was someone like the banks or even one of the grocers, someone with a, a big loyalty presence here, um, arguably, they're, 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 you wouldn't have some of the natural advantages that the airline brings. But what I would suggest, if if one of the banks, for instance, did pick up Velocity, they would then work really hard on on putting in some trouble-based rewards. And this stuff, do you know what? This stuff isn't that hard. Um, it would be reasonably easy to put in some trouble-based rewards, uh, working with partners, because there would be an absolute hunger for the non-Qantas airlines to to work with the the, the new new owner to have um, uh, put bums on seats um, and to engineer some travel-based rewards which is still reasonable value it, it, it might take a few months but i'm sure that that is um what they would they would they should be working on at least um and if it wasn't the other option would be someone like amiel collinson a large loyalty company to pick it up and again they they're not idiots those guys they would they would know that that having some sort of trouble rewards um don't get me wrong the easiest travel rewards is when you're owned by an airline and there's certain advantages to that but you can you can you can construct these reward um, rewards through many ways. Uh, in fact, at early days of velocity, we didn't have airline rewards, and we had to construct those same sort of um, airline rewards and travel rewards from scratch ourselves. Okay, yeah, I guess I've seen in history a few cases where a frequent flyer program has outlived the airline because they were, um, yeah, they, they were owned by a third party, I guess, or majority owned. Like a few examples I can think of is like Air Berlin with the top bonus program. Yeah. Uh, the top bonus programs continued trading for. Uh, I believe a few months, maybe even a year after Airbelling collapsed, but the points were basically yeah. worthless after after Airbelling collapsed. Um, another yeah. example would be maybe Jet Airways with the Jet Privilege Program. Jet Airways went uh, bankrupt about this time last year, um, but the Jet Privilege Program was rebranded at the end of last year and is actually still going. Um, so I guess there are some precedents, but not all of them are, are positive. Oh, and you got to be careful as well. You can So what the situations are, are massively different um, from from the market. Um, the, the sort of competitive environment in the market, who picks it up, what their intentions are. Um, they're, they're, there's the, the challenge in this space is the range of possibilities are enormous and no one knows what they are. Mm. But all I'm saying is, is there, although there is uh, a chance of losing everything, there's also um, probably a greater chance of, of getting uh, this one-off opportunity to get some real value from the points. And the most likely outcome is that you will end up um, having 
you know, a value of points, which is still no worse than what you're able to, to um, achieve now through dumping it through product and vouchers. <laughs> so maybe don't panic to buy a fancy juicer right now. That's exactly what I, I'd say. Don't panic. Now, if, if I'm not, if I'm wrong, if the way the cards falls ends up that, that uh, it does end up in the, in the, in the catastrophic scenario, everyone will be saying, well, he told us to keep our points. And I'm saying there is a small risk of losing everything, but there's equal, there's a bigger chance of getting some really good value. And if you were just doing the maths, uh, the d- dumping points at, at, at half a cent of value is, is, is not good value. It's not good for anybody. No, uh, and by doing so, you increase the odds of, or you put pressure on Virgin. And if we're true to ourselves, like the, the loyalty goes two ways. Um, the airline, the last thing they need right now is 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 their most valuable members put extra pressure on the on the airline. Mm. And I'm no longer employed there. I've not been employed there for a long time, but I still think the the Australia needs. Uh, Two airlines in Australia. Uh, we will we will all be worse off if there's if Qantas has gets a monopoly for two or three years. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, there there has been a lot of talk about this in the media. I mean, I, I read an article um, this week um, about um, the, the I guess the case for the government to support Virgin Australia. I'll, I'll link to that in the episode notes for this podcast. But uh, yeah, I guess if Virgin collapses, we're left with a monopoly that's controlled by Qantas. That's not good for the employees of Virgin Australia, but it's also not good for the traveling public. It's not good for Velocity members. It's not good for the people with uh, Velocity, uh, Virgin Australia travel credits that may stand to yeah. lose them. It's also not good for the around 1 million Australians that are employed either directly or indirectly by the tourism industry. I mean, without exactly. a strong aviation industry, how is I, I don't see how that's going to make it easier for Australia to recover from the economic crisis that we're currently in. No, you're, Matt, you're 100% correct. And that's what I worry about. I'm, I'm not really worried about, well, I am worried, but it's not just the, the, the people directly employed by the airline. It is, like you say, one million people that are employed. Uh, the, the, the reality is in Australia, uh, tourism has really boomed over the last 20 years because there has been cheap flights. And it's not just boomed in the obvious places. It's, it's boomed all over the place. Um, and nothing will convince me that if, if, if Qantas has a monopoly, that we won't go back to 500 being the cheapest price on a, on a flight sitting in Melbourne one way. Uh, and the, the flights to you know, Cairns and, and Prosperine and, and uh, Hamilton Island, all those would be ridiculously high priced. Um, and that, that will have such knock-on effects, uh, not like say, essentially a million people. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I, do, you know, I do believe that um, Australia needs um, the, the second airline. I do believe that, that Virgin is the perfect second airline. It, it, it ticks many boxes. It, it, it's kind of an, able to um, compete with Qantas on, as, a, as a proper airline. Um, but it's also uh, was able to, to keep them honest in, in Jetstar too. Mm. Um, and if a new, if a new character, if Virgin doesn't exist anymore and someone else comes in, um, for sure, they will be interested mainly in the, the main lines first. Um, we will lose competitive competition across to LA. We'd lose competition on where the A330s fly. We'd, we'd lose regional competition. Um, and, and we will lose it on a lot of those peripheral, um, markets even if someone else comes in absolutely and i think people also forget that the aviation industry has such extremely high barriers to entry it is not cheap and it is not easy from a regulatory standpoint uh to just start start an airline out of nothing no exactly exactly and that no airline's got money at the moment so uh 
the last thing it's like a Singapore or, or Etihad or any of those are, are going to be doing for the next few years is growing in a, in a foreign market. They're going to be um, managing their cost base and, and, and you know, sticking to their knitting for a little while. Absolutely. So this, it's not business as usual right now. No, exactly not. Exactly not. That's why, that's why I'm, I'm so passionate that they say like, frequent flyers can play their part. Um, stay at stake with it. Uh, assuming that, it, that Virgin comes out of it, then there's going to be fantastic opportunity to burn your points on some wonderful um, experiences and you know, wonderful first class. Because some of their partners have got some fantastic pro- product. Um, even if that doesn't happen, Velocity is likely to exist in some form. It might be picked up by a bank or or um, or a retailer or or a loyalty company, um, and you might lose some value, but you're not likely to lose value beyond what you what you're locking in right now, which is um, which is rubbish. Yeah, and I, I know that some people are, are um, looking at the moment towards partner airline awards. Um, because with with Velocity, you can redeem points to travel up to 330 days out. So that's about 11 months yep. out, which brings us about to March 2021. I mean, yep. no one really knows at this point whether the international borders are going to be reopened by that point. Um, but some people will be looking at, um, yeah, redeeming redeeming for a flight on a partner airline now. And under the assumption that if Virgin Australia was to collapse, they because they've already if if the flight's already ticketed, it would still be honoured. Do you know like would uh, would uh, an award on a partner airline still be honoured if Virgin Australia was no longer in business when the uh, when you're due to fly? Um, I don't know how things are right now, but certainly in, in my day that would have been absolutely fine. The the payment would have been made at, during, at the time of booking, and I'm sure that's the case now. So doing okay. that, there's there's different risk structure doing that because, like you say, you don't know what, what will happen. But that is definitely one of the things you could do. And again, you'd like to see quite a lot of availability in those. Um, in those premium cabins, and certainly, yeah, certainly, award availability now has been better than I've ever seen. I mean, I know yeah, I've seen like um, about a month ago when when things were still relatively normal and and people were still booking travel. There was first class award availability from Sydney to London every day for the next every year or so. Day. Yeah, I know every day. Uh, so, so, but that's what it's going to be like when it first comes back. That is definitely what it's going to be like when it first comes back. And and the, the most frequent flyer programs will be really. Um, really driven to put bums on seats so they'll be doing all sorts of things such as you know, um selling one seat for, for you know, almost nothing um so that people buy the second seat for for, for money etc etc there'll be a lot of activity uh, which is why like i say if you're if you're still with it and you still got if you're still on a mountain I, I personally i'm sat on 1.2 million points and i've still got them um so i will have egg on my face but i put my money where my, my, i put my points where my mouth is and i'm gonna um See if I can take everyone um, probably to London when this is done. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And so on, on um, Tuesday, Velocity Frequent Flyer sent out an email to members. Um, and I just want to quote exactly what it said in the email. It said, in these uncertain times, we understand you may have concerns about frequent flyer programs. That's why we thought it was important to share with you that Velocity is set up in a way that safeguards member value by having a trustee that looks after the interests of members. Um, now that that was, um, it sounds quite reassuring. I have no idea what it means. It seems like a bit of corporate spin, but um, I guess what what's your take on on that? Well, let me just explain how how, how frequent flyers can be set up. There, there's essentially three ways. It was a continuum, but there's three kind of major ways. One is the old way is just a separate division with with, with all the accounts mashed together, right? And that's what, what Anset was, and that's why when Anset went down, all the points went with it pop, right? The world learned about that. 
Um, and very, very, very few programs are set up that way. In fact, I don't think any program is set up that way anymore. But that is what caused the problem before. It was just a, a one one PL and the points were just were just gone. The most common way is that a, a frequent flyer program is now set up in a corporate structure where it is its own business, um, usually wholly owned, but that enables a separate PL, a separate balance sheet. Um, it doesn't mean that the points are totally protected. It doesn't mean that at all, but it does make it much more easy to protect the, the points, and it does make it much more easy to, to sell or transfer the asset afterwards. Um, and in the last way is, is some form of trust, member-owned, mutual um, structure, and that way you're totally protected. Um, like I mentioned, early days, Ver Ver Velocity was set up that way. They, they almost certainly would have watered it down over time, as all companies do. Um, but what that email says is that they still have some elements of that. So they are, they are almost certainly set up as a separate business. We know that. We can see that from the outside. They're set up as a separate business, which is currently wholly owned by the airline, which is a saleable asset. And there's additional protections built in based on a trustee of some sort. doesn't mean that they're completely protected, but it does mean there's added obligations, which, are, which would be important come an administration event. Okay. And uh, just finally, Phil, um, I wanted to ask your, your thoughts, because um, obviously your loyal, you know, loyalty is, is your, your field of expertise. A lot of airlines in the current situation have been giving out status extensions. So they've been extending mm -hmm. the, mem the, the um, elite status membership of their members by 12 months in most yeah. cases, some cases six months. Uh, a few airlines have given out sort of st monthly status credit gifts and things like that. But, uh, but yeah. most, most frequent flyer programs are trying to lock in their, their loyalty members. I'm just wondering what's the logic in, in that kind of thing? Okay, well, a very, very simple, the most sensible thing to do in this situation is to stop um, disappointing people or to try to not disappoint people. Um, and not, so you're trying to avoid people getting downgraded. The, 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 one of the first things I would have done is stopped all downgrades. And what they've done is they've done that in a very clean way. So most programs, so stopping downgrades would be something which was really sensible. You don't want someone to get downgraded in amongst this, and then they would definitely burn their points and off the game. Um, by doing it in a clean way, by saying for the next year we're not downgrading people, you're just taking all the pressure off the system. Yeah, um, I would if it, if I was running a program now, I would probably do what Virgin did, which is in a separate from that at issue um, monthly status credits. Um, if if I was going to calculate it, it'd be one twelfth of the number of of credits needed to attain the, the next tier up. Right and. The reason for that is so that if someone is trying to attain the next tier up, because in, in any membership base, you've got some people who are trying, you know, going to fall down. You've got some people maintaining. You've got some people pushing for the next level up. Uh, if you only maintain for, the, for, for another year, all those people miss out. So if you're really close to the next level up, um, you won't get it. And that is, that's also like a terrible experience. So by issuing a number of credits each month, if someone was very close to it and all they needed to do was continue for another few months to get the next level up, you will achieve it. And I, I thought that was really clever of Virgin to do that. I think everyone should do that. Um, if you were really um, good, you would actually do some analysis based on past activity since the last renewal date um, and do some personalized offers or offers upgrading to people say, hey, we recognize in, in the last seven months, you're actually on track to get to the platinum, so we're gonna give it to you anyway. Um, there's very little cost of, 
of issuing status when the airline's grounded. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, uh, it might sound obvious, but um, status is the biggest lever. The points is one thing, having a bank of points, but status is, is, the, is the biggest um, thing that sticks, makes from a law to an airline. Um, what will happen at the end of this is there's going to be a status war for a period of time where, where, come, where most airlines will be trying to leverage status in some way, status matching or, state or, or, or some sort of offers to try and get customers to switch. There will be a period of, of heightened activity afterwards, I think. But certainly taking, um, removing the stress of anyone saying, we know you're not flying, but don't worry, we're not going to downgrade you. That's a really sensible and easy to do thing. Yeah, and I guess yeah, you don't you don't want to lose your highest value customers um, because they've found a reason to try out the competitor as well. Uh, exactly, no, exactly. So uh, uh, like that 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 period when things start, it's not going to be overnight things return to normal, but there's going to be a period when things start getting closer to normal when there's going to be an awful lot of activity in the frequent flyer programs um, to put bums on seats to protect people um, to keep people look, you know, flying with that airline versus the others and i'm not just talking virgin and Qantas. i'm talking all the airlines are going to be very very active in that time yeah really interesting well phil gunter from uh, new world loyalty thank you so much for joining me on the podcast no very much i've enjoyed it thank you matthew hi this is clifford reichland from the australian frequent flyer i know that many of you have already registered on our website But for those of you who haven't, do you know that as a registered member, you can fully participate in our discussion forums, send messages to other AFF members, access our services such as Flight Tracker for tracking your flights, and you see fewer advertisements. And the best part is that our basic membership is 100% free. To register, simply go to australianfrequentflyer.com.au slash register, choose your account type, and then register. Simple as that. Well, thanks to there very much to those of you that have provided feedback from the last episode. Uh, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Townsend, who on the AFF on air discussion thread has written to me. Hi, Matt. Very interesting discussion this week, and it definitely gave me a different perspective on the Australian stuck in South America. As I was listening to you discussing that flight into Sydney last week, that, which was probably the last Qantas commercial 747 flight. A Qantas 7 flew, 747 flew overhead. It was VHOEG flying as QF6001 from Sydney to Los Angeles. I was quite sad because I thought it may have been off to the graveyard. Um, and yes, uh, Townsend, unfortunately, that does look to be the case. Um, indeed, VHOEG flew last weekend to Los Angeles. And from there, it flew on to the Mojave Boneyard, which is basically a graveyard for planes in the Californian desert. I don't know if you've seen those pictures of um, uh, from the U.S. desert with just dead planes being parked there, with some of them with their engines removed and different parts removed. Um, sadly, that's where that aircraft now is. So it leaves now just four Qantas 747s left in the fleet still. Um, yeah, and we'll, we'll see what happens with those. Now, speaking of the Australians that were in South America, I just wanted to give an update on the um, situation of the Australians that were in Peru when I spoke to Yasmin last week, uh, or two weeks ago, rather. Now, I'm told that 449 of the 483 Australians that were stuck in Peru have now made it back to Australia, which is good news. Um, There are still a few Australians left there, but most have managed to come back. There were, in total, three charter flights put on. The first was the Chimu Adventures charter flight that I spoke about with Yasmin in the last episode. 
Uh, following that, there was a Latam Airlines flight via Santiago to Melbourne, which arrived last weekend. And then earlier this week, a Qantas Dreamliner flew nonstop from Lima to Brisbane, bringing back the third wave of people. Now, for anyone that's wondering, Yasmin was on the second charter flight to Melbourne and is now in hotel quarantine there. And I spoke to her yesterday and she was relieved to be back in Australia. Remarkably, that Qantas flight from Lima to Brisbane wasn't even the most noteworthy flight to arrive into Brisbane this week. On Wednesday, a Virgin Australia Boeing 777-300ER landed in Brisbane after flying non-stop from Paris. The flight time was a whopping 19 hours and 45 minutes, which is 26 minutes longer than that record-breaking Qantas Project Sunrise research flight from London to Sydney last year. The Virgin flight isn't exactly a record because there were no passengers on board. It was just a ferry flight to bring the aircraft back from France after it um, operated a repatriation flight. Uh, And that particular flight was from Auckland to Paris via Hong Kong on behalf of the French government. Um, And also the distance from uh, Paris to Brisbane is about 300 miles shorter than from London to Sydney. But nonetheless, it's quite a remarkable achievement. I don't think Virgin has ever flown that, um, that far or that long before. When Qantas flew last year non-stop from New York and London back to Sydney, it received wall-to-mall media coverage for weeks. Qantas well and truly milked those flights for all of the free publicity they could get, and uh, I guess that they were very smart in that way. In um, um, They had about 50 passengers on board a couple of those flights who were mostly journalists who were there on a free ticket, so uh, it's probably no surprise that they got all the publicity they did. Uh, And seriously, those Project Sunrise research flights got so much media coverage that in November last year, I was was in India and I I just happened to meet a random American person there who informed me that that, uh, in no uncertain terms that Qantas was now flying nonstop from New York to Sydney um, daily and that he was planning to book a ticket on that flight next month. Um, it looks like the mainstream media didn't quite pass on all of the facts, or the, you know, the fact that this won't be a commercial reality for Qantas until 2023, but it just goes to show how far and wide that media coverage got. And I guess because of that, like the contrast between uh, the coverage that's been received in the mainstream media between Qantas's ultra-long haul flights and that Virgin flight this week could not be more stark. Virgin did not put out a single press release about this flight. Uh, And yeah, I haven't seen news about this flight reported anywhere in the mainstream media this week. Um, I wrote an article on Australian Frequent Flyer, but that's pretty much the only coverage I've seen. It seems that everybody this week has been distracted by all the other stuff that's happening at Virgin at the moment, which is a bit sad. Yeah, in terms of the future of Virgin, I really do hope that we'll get some clarity soon on that. Um, and I really hope that I'll have some good news for you next fortnight. Um, we, we should hopefully see um, either a, it may, it may be good news or it may be bad news, but we should at least have an answer as to what's going to happen in the next week. So, yeah, I'll be keeping an eye out for that. Until then, that's it for another episode of AFF On Air. Thank you, as always, so, so much for listening. For more information about anything in today's episode, you can, as always, check out the episode notes, and there you'll also find a link to the AFF On Air discussion thread, where you're welcome to ask me a question or discuss anything from today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, please uh, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening. And if you do like this podcast, you can also help us out just by telling your family and friends about us. I'm Matt Graham, and I'll be back next fortnight with more news tips and tricks for Australian travellers, or at the, at the moment, not so much travellers. But until then, stay safe.